Good evening. You always feel like a bad guy starting out because you're always interrupting people fellowshipping. Um, fellowship is a good thing. But if we keep fellowshipping, it'll be eight o'clock and time to leave and we won't have covered anything. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the blessings in life that you continue to supply. Father, we ask that you would bless us to be good stewards of your grace. Uh, faithful servants in your kingdom that we might always live our lives in such a way uh, as to bring glory and honor to you. Father, we ask your blessings upon us as we uh, study together this evening from your word uh, that we would be uh, reminded, Father, or instructed in those things that would uh, help us to live lives that are pleasing in your sight, uh, lives that would be blessings to those around us. Father, we are mindful to pray for all of those who are dealing with health issues and sickness, those who are under doctor's care. We ask, oh God, that you would bless them, uh, each one according to their need, but asking in all things that your will would be done. Father, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, for his sacrifice, uh, for his example, for all that we are able to become because he is. And in his name, we do pray and ask all things. Amen. So it's actually good to be here, uh, just because it's always good to be here, but it's, it's good to be here because uh, being uh, around the saints has this calming effect on you. Uh, and, and I have had about a frazzled 45 minutes before uh, class started. So I'm just looking forward to being around the saints and this class being able to uh, just calm me down a little bit. Uh, I started to leave home three times, uh, each time only to remember that I left something, not that I couldn't have made it without, but something that, you know, I felt it necessary to turn around and go back for. Uh, and then, I'm sure you've all had the experience, so now I'm hastening, uh, and, you know, one of those drivers that thinks they're the only one on the road and you can make those last minute decisions that uh, may endanger other people, but if it helps my situation, so what? Uh, past, uh, I've had one of those past me, actually. So it's just good to be here tonight. Uh, as you can see from the screen, we're at 1 Kings uh, chapter 14. And from here forward, we really start to see uh, the importance of training up the generation behind you. Uh, to be faithful. Uh, I, I think sometimes we miss what a, number one, what a tremendous responsibility it is, uh, but also uh, the impact that it has, uh, not just on uh, our children or the next generation, but on everybody that they come in contact with uh, as well. Uh, remember, life is such that none of us lives to himself. All of us, our lives are intertwined uh, with the lives of other people. And going forward in the narrative, one of the phrases that you will see uh, repeatedly is, uh, he did 
Uh, and unfortunately, the case is evil. You'll see evil more than you will see good. Uh, he did evil as did his father. Uh, and this is particularly important because this is talking about men who were in uh, positions of authority, talking about the kings. Uh, so if the king is evil, uh, guess what the nation was going to be? Evil. Why? Because he's going to set evil things in place. Uh, and some people will like what he's doing and go along with it. Uh, some people will disagree, but go along with it anyhow. And then some will oppose the evil, uh, but the king is in a position to do something about those people. Uh, so you'll see that real or really see it come to the fore. Uh, it's, it's been uh, something we've seen already, but you'll really see it come to the fore moving forward uh, in the narrative. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 14, if we could get a reader for verses 1 through 5. Okay, I'll kick it off. All right. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, now arise and disguise yourself so that they will not know that you are the wife of Jeroboam. And go to Shiloh. Behold, Ahijah, the prophet is there, who said regarding me that I would be king over this people. Take 10 loaves with you, some pastries, and a jar of honey and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. And Jeroboam's wife did so and set out and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. Now Ahijah could not see because his eyes were glossy from his old age. Now the Lord had said to Ahijah, behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to inquire of you about our son because he is sick. You shall say such and such to her, for it, will be, for it will be when she arrives that she is going to make herself unrecognizable. I'm sure that there are times when God just looks down at men and shakes his head and says it didn't have to be this way. Uh, what do we know about uh, Jeroboam uh, so far in, in 1 Kings? What do we know about Jeroboam? Is he, uh, is he the kind of guy that we would consider for the eldership? <laughs> Not even close. Uh, I think he'd be hard pressed uh, to be considered for membership. Uh, what notable thing did we read about Jeroboam uh, doing? Uh, he set up his own festivals. He did, he set up his own festivals and he set up uh, something else. Uh, think back to the days of Aaron and... His own priests, uh, he, not, he, not he, in he, the Levi. Yeah, he made an absolute mockery uh, of the system that God had set in place uh, for the Jews. And uh, one of the things that he did that really set God off uh, as you remember, he set up two idols, one in Dan and one in Bethel. Uh, and he told the people, you don't have to go down to uh, Jerusalem to worship, which is the way God said it should be done. Uh, Jeroboam is more concerned about the people being loyal to him than being loyal to the Lord. So he sets up the idols. And moving uh, again through the narrative, 
you'll see it repeatedly said about Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. Now, all sin is sin, but if you really want to tick God off, idolatry is the way to do it. Because idolatry is a personal insult against the very person of God. Uh, God takes, and again, he takes sin personal, but uh, idolatry is a personal attack against God. And Jeroboam was very instrumental in not only continuing idolatrous practices, but in setting some new ones uh, into place. Uh, and this would be humorous if it weren't so sad. So he tells his wife, uh, disguise yourself, go down to Ahijah, uh, and I get it. He's concerned about his son, and what parent isn't concerned uh, about the well-being of your child? Uh, I'm sure that all the parents in here can say uh, that when something is wrong with your child, everything else goes on hold. Uh, no questions asked. Uh, it's one of those where you don't even try to explain to the people in your job. You tell them, look, there's an emergency with my child. I need to go tend to it. Now, if they're not okay with that, uh, you know what? I can find another job. I can't produce that child again. Uh, so you're going to tend to the child. So I get that he's concerned about his child, uh, but does he go about it honorably or does he scheme? He tries to scheme. Yeah, he tells his wife, you disguise yourself. I guess he figured Ahijah would know him dead to right if he came down there, uh, no matter what kind of disguise he was in. Uh, but he tells his wife, disguise yourself and go down there and ask him what's going to happen to our son. Now, the thing he seems to neglect is this is not about him and Ahijah. Whose prophet is Ahijah? God's. So this is really about him and God. So it doesn't matter what he can trick Ahijah into believing if he is able to trick him. The question is, can you trick God? See, because if you can't trick God, then this scheme is doomed before it gets started. And you can't trick God. Look, God tells Ahijah before his wife even gets there, his wife is coming. She's going to disguise herself. Uh, and this is what you tell her. Uh, and in fact, God says, and you tell her before she even tries to deceive you. Uh, God just knows that there, there's, there's, there's no way to pull the wool uh, over God's eyes. All right. Uh, oh, I need to turn it on. Mm hmm. Uh, Brother Pratt says that's like when they tried to trick Jesus. Uh, and I get, we can add to that. It's like when we try to trick the Lord. You, you ever play games with yourself, trying to convince yourself something, and I guess somehow we hope God is going to believe it because we do? Uh, no, God knows better uh, than that. Uh, can we get a read of verses 6 through 9? I see Brother Hope looked like he wanted to raise his hand. All right, six through nine. I'll read from the screen because I have a different translation. Okay. <clears throat> Verse six. So when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet coming in the doorway, he said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you make yourself unrecognizable? 
Nevertheless, I am sent to you with a harsh message. Go say to Jeroboam, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Because I have exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. Yet you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart to do only that which was right in my sight. You also have done more evil than all who were before you. And you have gone and made yourself other gods and cast metal images to provoke me to anger and have thrown me behind your back. How would you feel if God said that to you? I mean, dig a ditch and jump in and cover yourself. Uh, this, is, this is interesting. So now when he hears her coming, he says, why do you make yourself unrecognizable? Why are you trying to trick God? God saw you all the way here. Uh, he says, I am sent to you with a harsh message. Now, isn't that interesting? They went to ask something of Ahijah, and Ahijah says, I have something to tell you. Uh, and it's bad news on top of bad news. Uh, now, first of all, remind Jeroboam, I made you king. I took the kingdom uh, now, when he says from my servant David, from David's line, uh, we know this because uh, Solomon started with idolatry. Uh, then Rehoboam uh, didn't make things any better. Uh, God says to Solomon, because of what you've done, uh, I'm going to tear the kingdom from you. But for your daddy's sake, I'm not going to do it to you. I'll do it in the days of your son. Uh, so this is how Jeroboam gets to the throne. Now, God reminds him, I made you king, and then you spit in my face. What do you say uh, to something like that? You, know, you ever watch one of these uh, law shows, and they, they have the person before the judge, and the judge asks them, how do you plead, guilty or not guilty? What would you say in this case? Because that's... Don't matter what you say, because God knows. <laughs> but being penitent would, would be about the best thing you could do. But he tells Jeroboam, you did all these things, and not just that he did them, but you knew that it was wrong before you did it. Jeroboam can't even plead ignorance. He can't say, I didn't know. God warned him expressly before he became king, if you stay faithful to me, I'll bless the kingdom and it will never depart from your descendants. So Jeroboam knows this uh, going in. Uh, do you see a similarity uh, between Jeroboam and us? Now, prayerfully, we have not followed his evil example, but don't we know now what the will of God is? And I don't mean we know the entire Bible, but we know that God wants us to live lives that honor him. Amen. Uh, we know that God wants us to love our enemies. Uh, he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, he wants us to deny ourselves. We know all of this before time. So now if God looked at Jeroboam this way, how do you think God looks at a deliberate sinner? Uh, you, you're without excuse. 
thank God for mercy. He'll take us back again. Uh, but much like Jeroboam, with many things, we could say we, we have no excuse. We know ahead of time what it is that God wants us to do. So uh, verse 9, I think, is really the one. You also have done more evil than all who were before you. God said, if I had to make a list of evildoers, Jeroboam, you'd be number one. Ooh, that's a hard thing uh, to hear from the Lord. Uh, you have been the worst. Uh, you have thrown me behind your back. God is saying, basically, what you did was you spit in my face. And what in particular did he do? Idolatry. Idolatry is the one that gets God. Now, it's not to say that he winks at sin. But idolatry is a personal attack against the person of God. Uh, and he confronts uh, Jeroboam through his wife. Uh, now, how many of you think Mrs. Jeroboam went home and said, ooh, wait till you hear? Yeah, yeah, because it would have given me pause back in verse 6 when he says, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you make yourself unrecognizable? Whoa, the jig is up. So here I come trying to treat God's prophet, and God already knows uh, what we up to. Yeah, so if I was her, uh, I'd have been treading on thin ice, uh, walking like I was on thin ice myself. All right, verses 10 through 14. Therefore, behold, I am bringing disaster on the house of Jeroboam, and I will eliminate from Jeroboam every male person both bond and free in Israel and make a clean sweep of the house of Jeroboam, just as one sweeps away the dung until it's all gone. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the skies will eat. For the Lord has spoken it. Now you arise, go to your house. And when your feet enter to the city, the child will die. Then all Israel will mourn for him and bury him. For he, for he alone is Jeroboam's family will come to the grave. Because of him, something good was found toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord will rise up for himself a king over Israel who will eliminate the house of Jeroboam this day from, this, from now on. Now, I will say, Your Honor, I object. He said a harsh message. Harsh doesn't even begin to describe uh, that message. He said, no one, I'm going to wipe out Jeroboam and his descendants. I, I, I can't wrap my mind around God saying to me, I'm going to wipe out Ricky. I'm going to wipe out KJ. I'm going to wipe out JD, my youngest girl's son, uh, and, and any other males that are born into your family. I'm going to wipe them all out. Wow. You ever had one of those, and we call it regret, but when you got to settle up for a wrong you did, as Brother Holt would say, you, you come to the realization the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And man, if I could turn back the hands of time, I think Jeroboam might have had one of those moments. If I could turn back the hands of time, if I had 
any, well, Jeroboam, you should have had an idea because God told you before you did these things what was going to happen. You've seen other people commit idolatry and how that gets under God's skin. Uh, and you do not only what they did, but you do worse. Uh, and then think about Mrs. Jeroboam. Now he says to her, when your feet enter into the city, the child is gonna die. Yeah, you talk about being in a dilemma. If I go home, the child is dead. But if I don't go home, I'll never see the child again. That, that's no good. I mean, that's a lose-lose situation. Uh, well, she goes back. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, I would say harsh doesn't begin to describe uh, what that message was. All right, uh, 15 through 19. For the Lord will strike Israel just as reeds sway in the water, and he will uproot Israel from the good land which, it, which he gave to their fathers, and will scatter them beyond the Euphrates River because they have made their Asherim provoking the Lord to anger. He will give up Israel because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he committed and with which he misled Israel into sin. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. As she was entering the threshold of the house, the child died. Then all Israel buried him and mourned for him in accordance with the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through his servant Ahajah, the prophet. Now as for the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned. Behold, they are written in the book of, Chron of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. And if you ever read First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you notice that there's a, uh, a lot of overlap, uh, covers some of the same material. And then there's some things there uh, in, in one account that's not uh, in the other. Uh, in fact, I wanna say, in some translations, and I'm going to get it backwards just as sure as I say it, uh, but they have a first, second, third, and fourth, and it's either Kings or Chronicles. Uh, of course, it doesn't remember, uh, it escapes me because I want to say it now, uh, but they consider them four books and actually uh, not two of one set and two of another. Uh, but we see here, God tells them about the Babylonian captivity long before it happens. That's what it means when he says you're going to go into captivity beyond the Euphrates River. Uh, Babylon is going to come, lay Jerusalem low. They're going to drag all of you off into slavery. Uh, you're going to stay there 70 years. But being the merciful God that I am, I'm going to let you come back. Uh, and when they came back, what do you think happened? They broke the covenant again. Yeah, that's why we get to what we call the new covenant, because Israel just, they wouldn't learn from the folk that lived before them. I think that's part of the reason Paul said the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. Look, they wouldn't learn from the examples of those who lived from them. Let's not repeat their mistake, because it's crystal clear, uh, God doesn't play. If, if you do not remain faithful to him, there is uh, a penalty to be paid. 
for uh, such disobedience. Uh, Jeroboam is identified as one of, if not the main culprits. Uh, and notice again, in particular, it is the idolatry that really got God's goat. Uh, I think that really has to be hard for a mother. I, I, you know, I can't envision uh, as a parent what it is to have one of your children uh, pass from this life. I'm sure that's got to be, man, on, on the list of challenging things to deal with, that's got to be up there uh, at the tip top of the list. Uh, but she goes home knowing this, when, when I get home, my son is gonna die. Uh, that must have been uh, a sad journey. Uh, I, I, I can't think of anything comparable. Uh, that far surpasses uh, wait till your father gets home. Uh, they, they don't even begin to be in the same zip code. Uh, so she goes back and certainly she carries uh, the message uh, that Ahijah uh, had given to her. Uh, and you just wonder, you know, if we could talk to Jeroboam and just ask him, you know, was it worth it? The obvious answer, no. Uh, and just ask him, uh, why didn't you believe slash trust God? Uh, if God makes you king and tells you, as long as you are faithful to him, that uh, the kingdom will not pass from your descendants, what makes you think setting up idols in Dan and Bethel is going to help anything? So he disbelieves what God tells him and then does the thing that really gets uh, God's goat and he pays uh, a terrible price. But the other thing to be noticed, uh, was Jeroboam the only one that paid a price? No, the nation of Israel paid a price as well. Now we are not kings and queens, uh, but I believe most of us have raised or are raising children. Uh, you don't think our living has some impact uh, on our children? Now, you can't make your children do right. Uh, and I would dare say for those of us who have uh, grown children, uh, one of the things that I pray most for my children, if not the most, is, is for their spiritual well-being. Uh, now, none of them live here in Laurel. Uh, in fact, the closest one is two hours away, and then the other two are clean on the other side of the country. Uh, Sunday mornings, I can't make them get up and go to worship. Uh, but I hope Deanne and I have raised them that that's a part of what they feel a need to do. And, and not just be in the assembly on Sunday, but to live right the rest of the week as well. Uh, because if the, the, the extent of my Christianity is I show up at the assembly on Sundays, uh, I'm going to have some gate trouble uh, uh, at the end. Uh, I, I would submit that our assembling together is the minor part of what God, God calls us to do. Uh, when we come together, for the most part, we all believe the same thing. Uh, we are inclined to be kind to one another. I know we have our you know, we, we have attitudes sometimes and we in moods and we bear grudges and all of that. Uh, what does the Lord tell us? Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Be kind to one another, 
forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So even if I do something to rub you the wrong way, uh, I'm inclined to think you're gonna forgive me because we both honor Jesus as Lord. And I need to do better and not rub you the wrong way. Uh, but that's comforting to know that we're gonna forgive each other. Why? Because we are a spiritual family. We're gonna get beyond whatever Satan tries to do uh, to divide us. Um, because we are more mature and wiser than to let Satan get an advantage of us uh, over, uh, you know, things that ultimately, uh, you know, just don't define us. You know, you, you see people mad sometimes over, you know, that person didn't speak to me. Really? The blood of Jesus doesn't mean enough to you to get beyond that? Uh, they disagreed with me. Uh, if we stop and think about it, sometimes I've disagreed with myself. Anybody here never changed your mind about anything? Yeah, I, I've had to admit, you know what? There have been things that I was just flat wrong about. So if I need to forgive me, uh, you know, dare I play the Pharisee and find it difficult to forgive you? So, but... What Jeroboam did uh, is significant because it affected not only Jeroboam, it affected the entire nation of Israel. Uh, I would venture for all of us that our circle of influence is probably bigger than we appreciate. There are people that see us that are probably encouraged by some things that we do, and heaven help us if they're discouraged uh, by some things that we do. But sometimes people are watching you and you have no idea uh, that they are. Uh, our circle of influence is probably larger uh, than we appreciate. Uh, there may be people here on Sunday that just see you every Sunday and notice something. And it may be, maybe you sit over here and they sit way up there and your paths don't cross. Uh, but that's not to say that they don't notice you and that you haven't done something that in some way has uh, influenced them, uh, which is why we want to be very careful uh, about our actions, about our speech. Uh, because one of the things, remember, people will sooner remember the bad that you do uh, than they will remember the good that you've done. Anybody remember that from uh, Julius Caesar when, uh, was it, uh, I think it was Brutus gave the, the, the infamous speech, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. The good that men do is often terrible with their bones. The evil lives after them. Uh, that's what he was saying. People sooner remember the bad things that you do. Uh, did Jeroboam do anything good in his life? I'm sure somewhere. Now, the Holy Spirit, and I'm never going to take exception to what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit chooses to point out the fact that he led Israel into sin, uh, that God said to him, you have been the worst out of everybody. I don't want to be the worst out of anything. I, I don't want anybody to tell me you're the worst whatever. You know, nobody aspires to be the worst. Uh, Brother Holt, 
using our circle of influence and being mindful of that. Uh, I believe it says somewhere in the Old Testament about being hospitable because you never know when you're entertaining angels. That's actually Hebrews 13 oh, too. Hebrews, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Elder. <laughs> but much of what the Hebrew writer said was based on things that come from the Old Testament, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that is absolutely the case. You never know who it is that, uh, uh, you know, that, that you're dealing with. Uh, let's say I go into Walmart and get hot under the collar and perform a little bit. And then one of, the Wal one of the Walmart workers comes here and sees me standing there preaching. Hmm. Now he's saying on the one hand, but when I saw him at Walmart, he did. Yeah. Brother Ricky. Yes. Jeroboam, uh, I think he was fearful. The reason why he disobeyed God, he was just thinking about himself, mm -hmm. um, scared that um, the people would leave him and go back to Jerusalem. Um, and God tells us throughout the Bible um, to, you know, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. He doesn't tell us not to get angry. He tells us, don't be afraid. Um, and it's for that very reason, I think, because when you're afraid you do things, um, you have bad judgment. Yeah, uh, and, and I would, I would uh, agree that he, uh, fear played a factor in his decisions. What, what, what Jeroboam has, or where Jeroboam has no, no uh, where he receives no sympathy, I guess I'll say, uh, is God told him before he became king, if you stay faithful to me, uh, the kingship will stay with your family. Yeah, uh, but again, you know, it's very easy to offer a critical analysis of someone in scripture. Has God not told us not to worry about anything? Yeah, he has. And in fact, he's given us an alternate course of action. Rather than worry, bring it to me in prayer. Yeah, so anytime we worry, and you know, I always want to be careful to say, worry does not mean you are concerned about things. Uh, again, I mentioned, if, if you're a parent, you're concerned about the world that your children are coming up in. Uh, and if you aren't, then you really have no idea of what this world is. Uh, but it doesn't mean you fret, you stay up at night, uh, can't sleep, and then all, you take it to God in prayer. You pray for them and pray for yourself. Pray for me to raise them right and pray for them that they will listen to the things that I'm trying to teach them. Yeah. Uh, now, does it work in every case? No. Which is why I ought to try real hard in the case of my child. Yeah, because all of us, we were young. Anybody here uh, experienced peer pressure? Uh, you know, one of the lessons I learned is peer pressure doesn't stop just because you stop being young. Even into adulthood, peer pressure uh, is a factor. I used to think as a teenager, man, when I get older, I don't have to worry about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yes, you will. Those things are still a factor. Yeah. So, but uh, Sister Jerry, I would agree. Uh, 
Jeroboam certainly did not place his trust in God. Uh, and when you don't place your trust in God, fear is what you're left with. Uh, and he said as much. Uh, people keep going down to Jerusalem, their hearts will go to Rehoboam. Uh, so I'm going to set up idols in Dan and Bethel. Uh, and that's just wrong and wrong on top of wrong. You're wrong about what the people are going to do, and you're wrong about the way you're going to try to stop them from going down there. Uh, man, you have just started a snowball. Uh, or maybe we can relate. Anybody here from the West, Western part of the United States, uh, they, they say you can start one of those fires that will destroy millions of acres with, with just a match. Uh, and one of the things that I was really surprised is how fast uh, fire can spread. Uh, they, they said that uh, fire can spread faster than an Olympic sprinter can run. And see, that was always my answer for everything. Well, if you got hot, I'd just run. I got it. I'd run. No, you can't. You can't outrun fire. You can't outrun wild animals. You can't outrun trouble. Sister Jerry. But isn't that what happens when um, these different faiths add to God's word? You know, if if we just tell them they can't do this or they can't do that, that will keep them from sinning. Yeah. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, that Jeroboam did. Well, I'm going to mm -hmm. set this up here and that'll keep them from going down there. But, you know, you have these additional um, rules that, that some of these faiths put up um, right. that add to God's word. And, and you feel for the younger generations that came up seeing the error thinking the error was the norm. Uh, can you imagine young kids that come up now uh, and maybe they were adopted by a uh, same gender family? That kid comes up thinking this is the norm. How hard a pill would that be to swallow then when somebody shows you in the word of God that God intended marriage to be between one man and one woman for life? Now, we struggle with one man, one woman for life. Imagine the struggle for this person who comes up uh, and sees that, and to them, that's normal. Uh, imagine the person that was raised in a denomination. Uh, and here you come telling me there's one church, so does that mean all my family has been mistaken? That's, that, that's a hard pill to swallow, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's a, but again, it, it, it I think reemphasizes for us the great need for me to be the best imitation of Jesus that I can because I'm going to influence other people. Now, mind you, we all have to stand before God individually uh, in the last day, uh, but you don't ever want to influence somebody to do the wrong thing. Uh, I grew up just coming to worship was what you did on Sunday. It, 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 Sunday after Sunday, without fail, my mother would find a way to get all four of us uh, and herself to the church building. We had to catch a ride. We had to catch a taxi. Sometimes we had to catch a bus, whatever the case may have been. So by the time I get into adulthood, I, that's just what you do on Sundays. Uh, you go to worship. 
Now, one of those occasions where we have, you know, four feet of snow on the ground Sunday morning, uh, and you can't get to the building, uh, you know, I, I would be at home just feeling, man, I'm not, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm not used to being home Sunday mornings. Uh, yeah, so there is a great need for us to raise our children, and now more so than ever, uh, because of what the world embraces as, not just embraces as normal, uh, but it even goes to the extent to say that there's something wrong with you if you will not embrace this as normal. Uh, you know, they, they've come up with names uh, if you want to be homophobic. Now, I'm not homophobic, I'm godophobic. Uh, but this is the world we live in. Uh, and, and I dare say all of us appreciate it. it's a different world. Uh, you know, my teenage years were... Uh, would have been the late 70s, early 80s. There's just a different world now uh, than it was then. And, and that's not to say the world was right back then. But when you look at the direction we've gone in, we certainly haven't moved closer to right. We, we are running headlong uh, away from right. Yeah, so there's a great need to influence our children because one of the things we'll see as we go through the narrative is that the succeeding generation, uh, the commentary was made, he did evil as did his father. Where do you think he got it from? His daddy. Where do you think his daddy got it from? His daddy. Where did his daddy get? This is generational. It's just been going on. Uh, you know, things are generational. Uh, and it's another conversation, but they say uh, how you manage your money is, can be generational. You know, we can teach our children, spend every penny you have and don't save anything without ever sitting them down and say, this is how you manage your money. All they got to do is watch us. It can. Thank God that it can. Mm-hmm. Heard about the Church of Christ, mm -hmm. and so uh, the the cycle in my family was broken. And, mm -hmm. and, and by God's grace, uh, our children have followed that, and our grandchildren have followed that. So, you know, if if you really you know make an effort, mm -hmm. things can be turned around. Yeah, and that's an excellent point, Brother Womble. The cycle can be broken, uh, but if you love your children, you want to put them in the best position to succeed uh, that you can. Uh, anybody here, your children went to school, you went out of your way to make sure that they got the best grades they could get. Now, is that to say that if they weren't an honor roll student, they wouldn't be able to find a job when they got older? Not, no, but I want to put you in the best position I can. There were just things that, you know, I wanted my kids to do. I wanted my kids to be avid readers because I know you can learn a lot from reading. And what you know, nobody can take from you. And, and don't dog in my pages, absolutely. <laughs> Do your best at, at everything. Even when you three, four, I mean, kindergarten, pre-K, do your best. Because you go through life one time and you don't get to do it over again. I, I think in my own experience, uh, you know, especially when I was in college, 
There were classes I could have gotten a better grade in, but I had that mentality. I don't like this class. I don't like that professor. Just let me do enough to, that I don't have to sit in here next semester. You know, you need 700 points to get a C. Let me make sure I get at least 750. That way, if they take a few points from me, I still got a C. Brother Harvey? And that is, yeah. Uh, so, go ahead. I, I was saying that uh, I tried that once, and with the professor uh, gave me an incomplete grade and, and made me come back during the summer and stick it out with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, not only do you have to come back again, but you also have to pay again. <laughs> so, you know what? Do your best the first time. Save money, save time, and save yourself uh, some trouble. Uh, because as many teachers have said, I've got mine, you got yours to get. Yeah, so, you know, instilling and, and your children, look, do the best that you can and learn to be satisfied with this is the best I can do. Your best isn't always going to be better than somebody else's best. Sometimes your best is not going to be as good as somebody else's mediocre. But it's the best I can, you know, when I've done the best, I can't do any more. You can look back with no regrets if you've done the best that you can. All right, so yeah, uh, influence is a huge thing. I had actually thought we might get through chapter 14, uh, and it looks like uh, we're going to be about midstream or close, uh, but it's time to drive a stake in it. So what do we, we are at verse 20. First Kings 14, verse 20. And next week will be November the something. About the third? Okay. November the third. So this year is just about over. Uh, but there are no guarantees that we'll make it to the end of the year. Uh, we want to take life day by day. Uh, that's how God gives them to us. So I, I want to do my best imitation of Jesus today. Uh, we'll worry about tomorrow, if and when tomorrow uh, gets here. Uh, so if there are no other questions or comments, uh, we'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, the brethren will come for the devotional uh, following that. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, again, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for your word and the things that you speak to us through your word. And Father, we pray that we would be uh, impressed with the great need to uh, live each day in the, uh, agreement with your will, uh, that we would be aware of the fact, Father, that uh, our living uh, affects and influences those around us and that we would, Father, always affect those around us for good, that we would ever live lives that bring glory to you. Father, we pray that you would bless us uh, wherever it is that our business may find us, that we would always walk worthy of being called your children. Uh, bless us, Father, to uh, touch the lives of those around us in a positive way. 
to be agents of positive change, uh, to help this world to be a better place. Father, again, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who makes it all possible. And in his name we do pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ricky.
Good evening. Our first song this evening will be number 397 in praise to the Lord. Let the lower lights be burning. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. But to us he gives the keeping of the lights beyond the shore. Let the lower lights be burning. Send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Dark the night of sin has settled, loud the angry billows roar. Eager eyes are watching, longing for the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Trim your teeth, at my brother, some poor sailor tempest-tossed, trying now to make the harbor in the darkness may be lost. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Song after the lesson will be number 23. All things are ready. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? It's hard for me to detect how well I'm being heard. Um, I will be leading the Devo tonight, so I wanted to share a few words. But before I get started, just so I think uh, recognizing who's present physically here tonight, um, uh, there may not be a desire or a need for someone to obey the gospel being present here tonight. But it's entirely possible there's something on your heart that you want to uh, discuss, talk, or have the church, you know, those who are present pray for you. Um, and remind us all that, you know, if you desire that or need that, uh, uh, just feel free to approach and, and we can take care of it. For those who are in Zoom, uh, elders at lowerchurch.net uh, welcome um, if there's something on your heart you've been listening reading studying with someone and you want to obey the gospel you may contact the elders at elders at lowerchurch.net uh, if there's something else that uh, is on your heart or your conscience that you 
uh, want to talk about, uh, have addressed, or just someone pray for you, uh, you may use that same address, elders at lowchurch.net. Um, and I also want to put a plug in for us to um, remind, uh, we get busy, we get caught up in the week and all those kinds of things and remind each other to, to if you can, you know, be sure to just carve out one minute to, to check on someone, speak to somebody, just say, hi, how are you doing? Um, I was thinking about you, praying for you. I certainly want to uh, add my voice to that uh, with the recent things that we've been facing, you know, the cards and the encouragement has been, have been uh, really, really, really uh, helpful and something that touches our heart. Um, so we really want to, Ruby and I want to thank you um, for that. Tonight, you know, I was thinking about uh, why I, one, one of the primary reasons and things that impressed me as I began to study the Bible and why I obeyed the gospel. And there are a number of reasons, but one primary thing, something that stood out for me was the fact that God said some things in the Old Testament and said it was going to happen. And guess what? It happened. Years before something happened, he said, this is how it's going to play out. And I took it a little step further from, for myself. I questioned any other religion. And I couldn't find one where their quote, God did that. Couldn't find it. I couldn't find where they said their God spoke. Someone went in the cave, someone did this, someone did this, and said, I objective verification of God's presence. You find that throughout the Bible. So I was, okay, this is the one. Got it. I want to read some of the some of the Old Testament and just reflect on uh, how this applies to our lives today and how some of these things are things we either need to think about or consider. And some of these things still today have been transferred into, in terms of the attitudes and the way of looking at things to the New Testament, which we primarily live by, primarily. Leviticus 19, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord, your God. Do not turn to idols, nor make yourselves molded gods. I am the Lord, your God. I will jump down. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. Those are the things that are left over after you do the major harvest. Leave it. You shall not gather it. And you shall not glean your vineyard, even the grapes, nor shall you gather 
every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor. This is an interesting one. And the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not deal steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the Lord, the name of your, your God. I am the Lord. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse to death, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear your God. I am the Lord. It's interesting that he says, in this context, doing something to the deaf and the blind, and he says, you shall fear me. And it's, what I get from that is that when you do something to people, who are you offending? <laughs> yeah. You, sh you shall do no injustice in judgment. No partiality. Not, you shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. Hmm. And it's very common now to say, you, shall, you don't judge. You shall say it again. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a, tail, a tailbearer among your people. Stop telling tales. Nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with any other kind. I'm going to drop down. Twenty-three. When you come into the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruits as uncircumcised. These three years it shall be uh, as uncircumcised to you, but it shall it shall not be eaten. But in the fourth year you eat all the fruit, uh, it shall be holy and praise as a praise to the Lord. In the fifth year you may eat the fruits that it may yield to you as it increase. I am the Lord, you, your God. You shall not eat anything with blood, uh, nor shall you uh, practice divination or soothsaying. Verse 28, you shall not make any cuttings on your fresh, uh, cuttings in your flesh to the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a harlot, lest uh, least the land fall into idolatry and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths, Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Give no regards to mediums and familiar spirits. 
do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. And if a stranger, and if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephra, and, and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, I am the Lord. It's interesting, once again, how it's kind of a foreshadowing of much of what, much of that, of what we adhere to now. But what struck me was God's attitude, even back in the Old Testament, about how he wanted the Israelites to treat them each other, as well as other people. And it's a lot clearer in many respects, maybe to us today, uh, with the New Testament and the teachings about how to conduct ourselves and how to look at um, uh, the stranger, uh, the person who is not of us, person who dresses and doesn't look like me, how we treat them. That in particular is one thing I've always been happy about the Lord in such a diverse congregation in many respects. And oftentimes when I'm talking to someone and I talk about our diversity, we have military, non-military, we have people working in the government, we have people working in the private sector. We got it all over the place. People, yeah, I just remembered. We even have some from Texas and the West Coast and the East Coast and Midwest. We have all kinds here. And that's something that I hope we, we just never lose at all. In any event, I have said uh, my little more than five minutes tonight. Um, thank you for being with me. Uh, we are about to sing the next song. If there is anything, as I mentioned before, if there's anything on your heart, on your conscience, that you'd like to have us, uh, me pray for you or us pray for you, uh, feel free to uh, ask for that or request that. If, there's, if you're listening via Zoom, uh, the uh, email address is elders at lowchurch.net. Uh, as we sing the next song, I appreciate it, and thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Oh, All things are ready. Come to the feast. Come for the table now is spread. Ye famishing, ye weary, come, and thou shalt be richly fed. Hear the invitation. Come who? salvation 
Before we have the closing prayer, I just want to say a quick prayer uh, of thanks and uh, for us to remember. Uh, there are one or two people that come to mind. Uh, one, uh, Sister Karina was having some, some issues with her leg and we want to remember her. Uh, also, uh, Sister uh, Janice Williams is in the uh, uh, hospital. She's at Sinai. Uh, she moved from the rehab to Sinai and hopefully we want to pray she gets back to the rehab as soon as possible. Um, and then also today, Sister Patrice Robbins had a surgery, and uh, uh, I was uh, surprised she's back at home already. She had the surgery today, and she's back at home. So we want to remember, would you go with me in prayer quickly, please? Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you now, we give thanks for uh, each and every blessing that you provide for us. We recognize that the blessings that we're talking about right now have more so to do with medical and health issues, Heavenly Father. We know that doctors, nurses, uh, they only have the power that you've given them. And your power is ultimate and greater. But we do pray and give thanks for what you have given them and their ability to care for those that we care about and those that we love. We're thankful that each of our sisters that have been mentioned, Sister Janice, Sister Patrice, Sister Karina, they've all been cared for and we pray for their recovery. We pray for their health. 
We also pray, Heavenly Father, for Sister Tamika Bishop for her continued recovery. Be with all of those who are suffering in some way, Heavenly Father, that they haven't mentioned, uh, that we may not be aware of or we may not recall at this moment. But we recognize that uh, Satan is busy and events of this world will take place. We hold on to our faith, our love and trust that you will do what is best for us. We love you. And we pray for thanks. And we pray for opportunities to show the love that you've given us to others. And we're thankful for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, I'm Say another prayer to close us out. That's, this is like coming on after the Beatles. Let us pray. Our mighty merciful masters, once more and again, that we come before your throne of grace, thanking for this day. Thank you for getting us this hour of worship and fellowship. Lord, we ask that you continue to look down upon us and bless us and keep us with strength, zeal, forethought, and protection. May we be ever mindful of our influence that the world sees as May we ever be so careful to always let our light shine so that men might see us and glorify you in heaven. Lord, we ask that you please forgive us for our sins of omission and commission and all the sins that doth so easily beset us. Forgive us of those sins. Bless us and keep us until we meet here again at the next appointed time. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.